Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by the Letterman Roundtable group of Taylor Viplis, EJ Wilson, Mike Ingersoll. Been a while since we talked, guys. It's the summer freshmen are on campus. So what we figured is we'd all get together and talk about y'all's experiences when you guys got to Carolina and started your first summers as Tar Heels. Before we get to that, though, how's everyone doing? Anything new with anybody's lives at this point? Nothing. (laughs) Pretty uneventful. Yeah, nothing too much for me either. Just working. How about you, Mike? You surviving down there in Charlotte? I'm trying, man. I'm trying. The uh, the one thing I've noticed that I, I like a lot more about being back home here in Charlotte than I did up in Chapel Hill, it might be the only thing, is uh, we got a lot less pine trees down here, so mm-hmm. my face doesn't feel like it's being ripped apart from the inside this time of year, which is very nice. <laughs> that sounds like a positive, yes. <laughs> well, hey, let's go ahead and just jump right in then, man. I think it's interesting here that uh, all three guys, you all came to Carolina at different times. EJ was the early enrollee. Uh, Vipolis, you were on campus originally on the track. Then going into junior year, uh, that was your first summer with the football team. And then, Mike, we didn't talk about this before aired. Did you also enroll early, or were you a summer enrollee? No, I was a summer enrollee. I didn't even know that early enrollment was a possibility back then. Nice. All right, so we got the whole gambit. So, look, let's go ahead and turn it over to our elder statesman, EJ Wilson. Uh, EJ, when you were already on campus, having enrolled right after you graduated high school, you know, going into the summer, what was your mindset when that happened? It was just, it was really a culture shock for me coming from such a small town. uh, It was just really, Chapel Hill was the big city for me at the time. So it was just really getting adjusted to being on my own. Uh, I actually, after about being here for about a week, I actually wanted to to transfer and go somewhere else simply because I, I like, I just wasn't used to not being at home. But I mean, after about the second or third week there, it kind of eased out. And I mean, it it was a good thing. I'm glad I got to get on campus early and kind of bond with some of my teammates. So when everyone got there, um, when the fall semester started, at least I knew some people then and they could introduce me to people. So I think enrolling right after I graduated kind of helped ease into the the social aspect of college once the fall started. All right, Mike, you're next in the sequential order. So what was your thoughts when you arrived on campus starting the first summer session there? Uh, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I I was coming from Mint Hill, North Carolina. And, you know, two weeks before that, I was, you know, uh, not, you know, I was a senior in high school and I was, uh, I had senioritis and I wasn't going to class and kind of just sitting around in the hallways and, um, sort of BSing around and thinking I had, you know, the world by the short hairs. And then I got on a campus and that got straightened out real quick. Uh, Larry Edwards made sure that I understood. And so did Malik Brown, uh, made sure that I understood that I was nobody. And <laughs> I accepted my plot as nobody, uh, fairly quickly and fell in line and, uh, lived the life of a lowly freshman. You know, I learned, I learned quickly that, the stuff I got away with as a senior in high school wasn't going to fly as a freshman in college um, when I'm, you know, around grown men that are twice my size uh, that I'm going to have to put on pads and 
run headfirst into here pretty soon. So I, uh, I fell on the line pretty quick. I, I, I had, uh, I, I lost any disillusions that I may have had that, uh, I was even moderately important, uh, about two minutes into being on campus. <laughs> All right. And then Taylor. So for you, a little bit of, of the different experience, you were already on campus for a couple of years running track, but when you were Going into the first summer, knowing that you were going to be part of the football team, you know, what was that for you? Well, going into my sophomore year is the year that I knew I wanted to try out for the football team. So I was just on campus. Um, that's when I became really close with guys like Mac Collins and Candler Coker. And I was just asking them, you know, what can I do to kind of put myself in the best position to try to make the football team? So I was just going out doing uh, workouts with them since the coaches aren't allowed to be working out with you and just trying to get a feel for what I was getting into for football. Um, so then going into my junior year, when I, it was my actual first year um, going into summer for football, I was a lot more well-adjusted because I had a full season under my belt. Um, I knew all the expectations that they would have for you in the weight room. Uh, it was just It was just getting mentally prepared to – go through their workouts in the summer, which, um, which were a, a lot harder than in season workouts, um, just cause they're kind of getting you ready for the season. But I think I was in a lot better of a spot, just having gone through a full season, um, than the guys who were coming onto campus kind of not knowing what to expect. And then again, I was a walk on. So I, I knew like my place on the team, I didn't come in as this you know, all American from high school, um, with this inflated ego, I knew I was kind of at the bottom of the totem pole and I was going to have to fight my way up. All right, guys, let's talk about the actual move in experience itself. So I want to hear like, what did you guys bring with y'all? Did the parents come, you know, were you guys wanting to, to like have your parents around or was it just kind of a, no, I'm already here. You guys kind of move off Taylor. Let's go ahead and stick with you. You know, the actual, I guess, your freshman year moving in, what was that like for you? What do you have memories of, of going through that? Yeah, my parents stayed for a while just because coming from New York, it's like, a, it would be like an eight-hour trip. So, like, admittedly, I wanted them to stay for as long as possible just because I knew I wasn't one of these kids who could just go home um, on a weekend's notice or be somebody who your parents are traveling to all the games just because it, it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't a fair ask um, for them to come down off in, in Chapel Hill. And especially with track getting ready for winter, um, I just didn't get the chances to, and just athletes in general, we don't get the chances to go home on fall breaks or anything. So my parents stayed for a while. Um, and then it was just, um, it was just a lot of learning on the fly. I, I did not know what to expect. Um, I wasn't really prepared, but, uh, just try to make the most of it. <laughs> That's all you can do really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, EJ, what about you? What did you bring with you when you, and when you actually arrived on campus? And then also when you got and as an early enrollee, what dorm did they put you guys in? So, uh, when we first uh, moved in, in the summer, uh, we all stayed in Granville, uh, Towers, so I, I didn't take much with me. Um, of course, I brought I brought a lot, a lot of sneakers because I mean I'm like, hey, this is college. I wanna I wanna kind of impress the girls. So most of my stuff was really DVDs, <laughs> shoes, 
in a refrigerator. Um, when I moved onto campus uh, in the fall, we moved into Carmichael dorm, which was which was clutch, which is, I think the best thing that could, could ever happen to me as a college freshman. We were right across the street from the stadium, so if I had a seven thirty workout, I could wake up as I could wake up at seven seven o'clock, ten minutes after seven, make it to the stadium, take my time getting there, get dressed, be there for my workout. So it was absolutely perfect, and my my parents were were there, and I guess I'm I'm kind of the opposite of of Taylor because my parents were like only an hour and a half away and they love coming down to Chapel Hill. So they came down, they uh, actually came down probably two days before we were uh, going to move into our dorms and uh, they hung out a little bit. So uh, it, it was kind of cool seeing them, but once everything was moved in, I was like, okay, you guys can, can head on back to Virginia. So, but I mean, it, it was a good experience, I guess being there in the summertime really kind of helped us get used to the, the layout of the campus. So we were actually helping other people out, pointing people in the right direction. So it was a, it was a good experience overall. All right, Mike, your turn now. What about the move-in for you, man? Uh, I mean, I didn't. I had a pretty standard move-in, man. I had my mommy and I had my daddy, and they brought me up, and they dropped me off in the dorm room, and my mom cried, and my dad told me to get a job, and <laughs> they left me with my blankie and my little pillow and all my clothes from high school with all my high school workout shorts and shirts and uh, all that kind of stuff, and that's that's just what I uh, that's that's what I got left with. I didn't have a ton of shoes. I do remember Hakeem Nix uh, came. Uh, he came. I think he followed me up from Charlotte, and as we were unloading the truck, he was unloading his car, and uh, I had blankets and duffel bags and stuff, and he just had boxes of Jordans, and uh, that was that was pretty hilarious to me. That's that's kind of all. That's all he needed. But um, no, I just had my little blankie and I had my pillow and I had my little high school memories. And uh, um, positive outlook on life. And then, like I told you, I got into the locker room the next day and Malik Brown and and uh, Larry Edwards straightened that out for me real quick. Yeah, when I was uh, – funny that he just said that he lived in Carmichael as a freshman because that's where I lived as a freshman on the track team. But all the football guys now are in Rams, and we would go over to their apartments, and, you know, they each have an individual room. They each have a common area, and I was like – that was when in my mind I was like, okay, football is a lot bigger than uh, besides the money they bring in. Football is a lot bigger than the track team here. Just seeing how uh, how nice the guys' apartments were and how they each got their own private space, and I was just slumming it with my uh, my roommate who wasn't even an athlete, um, and uh, it was just a, a huge adjustment from from the track life to football. Yeah, they put us in Granville. We were in Granville Towers <clears throat> over there on um, on Franklin Street, and this is obviously before that Target and all that stuff was in there. Um, you know, we had Miami Subs, and uh, right there on Franklin Street, where I can't even tell you what's in that what's in that location now. Um, but you know, Spanky's was back up there, and that's that's where we'd spend most of our time. But it was it was only a couple of weeks uh, after we all moved in there that we permanently uh, we permanently ruined. Uh, Granville for the for the remainder of of that year, and I think the next year they had to shut down the whole yes. first floor because of the uh, slip and slides. Uh, John, you were an RA. You yes. can tell people about that. The yeah. uh, the chicken wing bones and the pizza boxes. Uh, thank you to Miami Subs and Gumby's Pizza and the trash bags that we set out in the hallway to create a slip and slide, and then we just never actually cleaned up the slip and slide and just let the water soak through the floor and ruin everything. That was. That was our claim to fame over there. And football, not surprisingly, was never allowed to stay in Granville Towers again. 
Yeah, that was so much fun cleaning up. Let me let me just tell you, uh, EJ, were you in on that? Were you in on the slip and slides? Oh no no no! That was we're oh. we're a year after EJ. Yeah no, yeah. We had, yeah. We were civilized yeah, between. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. They were civilized. We were the ones that had the slip and slide. Vince Jacobs' finger laying on the floor. That kind of stuff. Yeah. We should also have a uh, growing collective list of all the places the football team is not allowed anymore, which would include a, a lot of frats. <laughs> That's uh, for a different it was, it, it, it was Beeskies for a while because of a certain a certain human being that went through a plate glass window one night on Franklin. So that was, the the list I think is growing. I think the list of places we're actually allowed to be is shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> different podcast different (laughs) podcast guys um let's take a very quick second to talk about our sponsors giant t-shirt.com they are a absolute chapel hill tradition they've been in business for over 35 years locally and alumni owned you can go visit their store over the summer i mean I, i was saying this off air chapel hill during the summer is one of my favorite times to visit the campus because it's empty there's just not a whole lot of traffic. You can walk around, really enjoy yourself. If you're there, you can go to their site right there on Franklin Street. Or if you live outside or just get the urge to do some online shopping, visit them at johnnytshirt.com. They are focused entirely on the Tar Heels. They do not carry you know, that extra stuff that a lot of the national carriers sell where they try to get as many schools as they can. Nope, Giant T-Shirt. They are only focused on UNC. They have the best customer service. And you can visit them on game days in the fall. And look, we're doing this podcast a few days before Father's Day. So if anyone is looking for a great Father's Day gift, Giant T-Shirt, GiantT-Shirt.com. Cannot recommend them enough. And remember that Inside Carolina Premium subscribers do get that Giant T-Shirt discount as well. Check the message boards and you can get that code. Save you 10%. So Giant T-Shirt, GiantT-Shirt.com. They are where you need to go to get your Tar Heel gear. All right, so guys, let's go ahead and we'll do uh, some trips down down memory lane to kind of close out the pod. With the UNC freshmen having arrived now and enrolling, what advice would you guys give them? In other words, if you could go back and give some advice to your freshmen selves, what would it be and what would you say to the team this year? Taylor, start with you for this one. Not something that happened to me personally, but something that I saw uh, personally and kind of touches on what Mike said before, just kind of forget about everything that you did in high school because honestly, none of it matters. Um, Nobody cares if you won a state championship. Nobody cares if you were, you know, the state leader in rushing yards or anything like that. Um, You're only going to be remembered for the work you do at Chapel Hill um, while you're there. So just kind of attacking every day with that mindset of, you know, I haven't done anything yet. And just trying to prove yourself to to your teammates, everybody in the locker room, the coaches, because ultimately the coaches and, you know, what you do during the summer kind of puts you a step ahead for in the fall when you're trying to get playing time. And, you know, you're one of the guys on the bench who who thought you were going to play right away. But, um, you know, you don't take things as serious. And then all of a sudden you're redshirting. You lost a year and uh, you're just not playing and not having as much fun as you could be. All right, EJ, you're up next. What advice would you give to your younger self? And then do you have any specific thoughts about the team that is on campus now? The advice I would give to my younger self is to use that time in the summer to create good habits, both with studying and um, and as well as workouts and just creating a regimen for myself and just kind of taking that time more seriously instead of just getting through the workouts and trying to survive them. 
uh, more so just try to focus in and try to get myself as physically ready as I could for training camp, which I was not ready for my freshman year, might I add. So that's probably the advice I would give myself for this team that they have on campus now. I would say really use this time to to indoctrinate yourself in that system, to commit yourself to the to the strength and conditioning program. We kind of talked about this on the last podcast that we did that the the way that they talk about publicly about their strength coach kind of makes me excited about how this how this summer's going to go and how they're going to approach their strength and conditioning and how that could really propel them into the season and maybe sometimes it may be some of course there're going to be some growing pains people adjusting to a new system but at the end of the day if we're outlasting people if we're tougher than people and we have that heart I think that's going to pull us through and kind of help us overcome some of those obstacles so my advice and my really thoughts to this team would be to just focus on the summer to try to make yourselves the best players that you can be and just come in with the mindset that you're going to be ready for camp, watch film and just improve and try to make yourself better and better physical shape every day than you were the day before. So, um, and I, and I think from everything I've seen in spring ball and everything I've been hearing surrounding the program, I think that, that uh, I think that they will be ready and they will attack the summer. All right, Mike, same two questions for you. What advice would you have other than do not create a slip and slide down the hallway in Granville? Very simply, it's all going to be okay. Um, you're going to get homesick. It's, you're going to be shell-shocked. Uh, you're not going to be as big as the guys you're playing against. Uh, again, you're going to be coming from an environment in high school where you probably ran your high school uh, or you were, you were important amongst your fellow students for whatever reason. Uh, that's not necessarily going to be the case anymore, but it's going to be okay. Uh, you're not going to know the playbook. You're not going to understand the processes in the weight room. You're not going to understand the scheduling. You're not going to understand getting to class. You're not going to know your way around campus. You're not even going to know your way around the football center. That's okay. Everything will come in time. What's important is just like what EJ and Taylor have said, immerse yourself in the program. If you live nearby, so me being from Charlotte, uh, I went home a lot. I wish I hadn't have done that. I didn't know at the time that I was going to regret that. Looking back now, I do. Uh, you are in college. You are on campus. Stay there. Stay there for the weekend. Go out, party with your teammates, right? Do the stupid stuff you're going to do and start building bonds with your teammates. Um, that stuff is, is impossibly important. Um, and I can't stress enough how how critical it is to start forming those bonds with with the the classmates you came in with, but also with the older guys. They're you know they want to see that you can fit in. They want to see you be a part of things and participate. You're gonna get picked on a little bit. Um, you're gonna get your pride hurt some just from a physical standpoint, right? Once you actually get into camp and you get into physically competing, you know your feelings are gonna get hurt because you're gonna get beat a lot. Don't worry about it. All that stuff will come. What the, you can't you can't control the pace at which those things come to you, but what you can't control is your attitude and your approach to all of it. So keep a positive attitude. When you get that lump in your throat during training camp because you're homesick, it's gonna go away. And just know that everybody else has it, whether they're telling you or not. All your classmates have the same feeling. Um, it, it is it is a it is a shock to the system to change your environment and to change your surroundings that drastically. Um, that quickly to transition from high school into college, into a division one program, especially one of this magnitude. Um, that is going to be a, sh that's going to be a shock to your system. You will adjust, you will adapt and you'll be fine. One quick thing to jump off of what Mike just said that coach Brewer kind of always emphasized to us 
when we were starting out, you know, we're going to make mistakes, but if you're making mistakes, just make sure you're doing it at a hundred miles per hour to where the coaches can't question your effort. Because when you're a freshman, they're not expecting you, like Mike said, to know the entire playbook. But if you're, if you're out there and you're going, you know, half speed while you're messing up, that's just sending a message to the coaches that, you know, one, he doesn't know what he's doing. Two, he doesn't really care to even try to make it look like he knows what he's doing. So if you're if you're out there, just just give it a hundred percent every time, just because it looks good to the coaches, it looks good to your teammates, and it looks good on yourself. All right, guys, let's switch gears a little bit here because you've all talked to well, EJ especially talked about it, but it's been mentioned. You know, the new coaching staff that has arrived in Chapel Hill, and uh, all of you guys. Mike and EJ, you experienced a coaching change. Taylor, you switched sports. So I wanted to get y'all's perspective on that. So EJ, looking to like the summer when the coaching change happened, was there anything different about that summer that you can recall as far as maybe having to learn new things? And if so, how did that summer process work out for you? I would think probably the structure of our workouts because coach Davis had a completely different approach to the strength and conditioning program. And he kind of let coach, uh, coach C have his uh, way and gave him complete control over everything we did. So it more so focused around not only were we doing conditioning, but we were doing speed conditioning. We wanted to be able to run all game and we wanted to be able to run fast all game and we trained explosive, more explosiveness and we trained more top end speed. So, I think it more so focused on on just speed at every level, not so just the skill players and the, and the, what we call combo, which would be like the safeties, linebackers, and uh, some of those was in fullbacks, tight ends, some of those positions. They're the ones working on speed and not necessarily the offensive linemen. But and even Mike can attest to this when 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 Coach Davis came in, it completely changed how we looked, how we thought about our bodies, how we thought about and approach uh, our strength and conditioning program. So I definitely, definitely noticed a change and it was a change for better. And that's not to discredit the strength and conditioning program when coach Bunning was there, but it was more so focused on just strength and conditioning. There wasn't a whole lot of detailed and, and tailored speed uh, program. So it was just, it was a big difference. Did you find yourself like getting a little bit more tired, DJ, or was it something like different? And did that kind of throw you off for the for the first maybe like week or so during the summer? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be terrible just just with that level, the level of training that we're doing. I mean, even though you're just kind of coming off a of spring ball, but it, it's definitely I definitely noticed myself a lot more tired. Like I thought, OK, this is going to be a speed day. We're not going to be out here running all day. We're going to get breaks because we want to be fresh so we can do the best on the rest. But everything's back to back to back at at 100%. So it was definitely a, a difference. It was it, it took a lot to get used to at first. But once we really explained and we bought into what uh, Coach Davis and Coach C were trying to do, it, it became a lot easier. And it just made us better and more explosive athletes and just better conditioned. All right. Now, Taylor, what about your experience, man, going from track over to the football side? What was that summer like in that transition for you? The biggest adjustment for me was in the weight room, just because in track, I was I was much lighter. I wasn't lifting um, a heavy amount of weight. I think for for track, I weighed like maybe 120. And then for football, I was getting up to like 155, 160. I probably wasn't 120. I was probably like 130. And for football, I was trying to 
get up to a weight, a uh, playing weight of like 155, 160. Um, so for me, it was, you know, I, I just couldn't do the lifts or I couldn't do the weight that they were expecting. So it was just kind of being in communication with the coaches being like, Hey, like, um, I'm, I'm trying, I just can't lift the weight that you're telling me to. And I, it got to the point where like 175 was crushing my chest when we were trying to do bench. But eventually I, I got there. It was just kind of being in communication with the coaches, um, kind of, they had a standard for what they thought people should do. Um, but then I had to communicate with them, like try to try to have them understand where I was coming from. And then from a football perspective, I was always meeting with coach Brewer and I was always meeting with coach Fedora. Um, even going in, I knew I wasn't going to play that much, but I just wanted to have a positive impact on the team some way. So, um, I would always meet with coach Fedora. I would start to try to learn like why he did certain things at practice, why he did certain things at certain times in practice, just to try to get a feel for, you know, what the, what the new expectations were for my new team. See, I don't think I could bench 175 right now if you paid me like <laughs> 50 grand. There's no way. Mike, what about you though, man? How was the transition like for you during your first summer when, when the coaching staff did change? My biggest thing was expectations from the coaching staff for me and what was going to be expected from me. So it really started in the spring because Coach Bunning uh, was let go towards the end of the 06 season. And then Coach Davis came in and his staff came in for the start of the fall semester. So, you know, winter workouts changed. Um, you know, so obviously the, 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 we had Coach C and we had that staff, but things started changing a little bit around the football center. Um, you know, from the time we left to go home for Christmas break to the time we came back for the spring semester, there were transitions for me from a player standpoint. Um, I came into college as a tight end. I got moved to the O-line, put on some weight. I think I got up to about 280, 285 maybe. Um, Coach Davis came in. I got moved back to tight end. I dropped back down to 255. Uh, and then I got moved to center. Uh, uh, right at the the night, literally the night before the very first spring practice, uh, I got moved to center and I had never snapped a football in my life. So that was a shell shock for me. Um, but if center, then I, then I got bumped out to tackle and I played tackle and that's obviously where I stuck and that's where I played for the next four years. But, um, you know, there was a lot of shuffling around there in those first few weeks when coach Davis was there. And then in the first season, it was, um, you know, really getting a feel for the coaches, um, getting a feel for Sam Pittman, getting a feel for, uh, you know, John Shoup as our OC. Um, you know, Steve Hagan was our tight ends coach, but he worked a lot with the tackles um, for obvious reasons. Tight ends, tackles, um, you know, having to, having to work together frequently. Um, so, you know, getting getting comfortable with him. Um, it was just it was it was it was a transition because I had the coaches that had recruited me and the coaches that I came into college with, and I was somewhat loyal to, um, though I didn't play for them that long. Um, I did get to know them during the recruiting process and built relationships, relationships with them. And then all of a sudden they were gone. So that change was big, but it was really just what's expected of me. And really I'm not one of Butch's guys. Um, so this is something that guys struggle with a lot is that I wasn't recruited by Butch Davis. And I don't know that his staff, I mean, I like to think his staff would have recruited me and offered me a scholarship, but I don't know that. So I was, I, I was a holdover from the previous regime. Um, so I felt like there was an extra 
there was an extra layer of prove it that I had to bring out there. Um, and I had to kind of adopt this mentality that, you know, I wasn't wanted, right. Or I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the preferred candidate for this job. And I had to take that every day and sort of reprove myself to this new staff. And I, I felt like I was doing that for a year or two years. Um, and, and that's what I think ultimately, uh, brought me some success within that staff and, and helped me earn a little bit of respect amongst that staff. And, that was really the again the biggest thing was expectations for myself coming from this from coming from this new coaching staff, but also how am I going to adjust personally? Um, how do I know what they want from me, and how can I make sure that they at least respect me if nothing else? So that was that was the toughest thing for me being the being the holdover from the previous class and the previous coaching staff to this new one. And what did that exactly mean for me? All right, guys, let's take a very quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Taylor Vipolis, EJ Wilson, and Mike Ingersoll talking about the summer move-ins and just generally the first summer being a part of the, of the football program. So let's go ahead and start getting those memories, guys. It's a segment everyone really likes. Uh, we do have to keep these, you know, rated PG-ish, got to... Could be kids listening to this podcast. We, we don't need to scar anybody for the rest of their lives. So let's go ahead and, you know, Mike, let's go ahead and get you out of the way because I feel that uh, you probably have some good ones there. You've already mentioned the slip and slide, but over the first, just the first summer of being with the football program, what's a memory that you can share with the audience here? Almost losing half of our team to a fight at Avalon. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But we're not going to, we're not, well, I don't think we're going to go there. Uh, it was the, uh, the, the very first night I went out in Chapel Hill. Um, we went out, the swimmers were throwing a house party and we went over to the swimmers house, the female swimmers. And we went over to their house and I went with Kyle Jolly and Garrett Reynolds and those guys. And uh, um, that was a, that was a fun time because there's children on the, potentially on the, on the radio waves here. I I won't tell too many stories, but you know, that was the, that was the first time I'd gone out in college. It was the first time I'd cracked a beer open in college. Um, and, uh, it was, it was relatively memorable for me, but the, the, the really the lasting memory I have of that summer is, uh, that the, uh, the issue at Avalon, which I believe coach Bunning called a bar fight mealy as he read, the uh, the headline EJ can probably tell you about that too the melee not the melee but the melee all right EJ your turn man uh, other than the melee as Mike uh, described it my best memory is probably the huge game of capture the flag that we organized uh, after the summer after my freshman year I was uh, us some members of the club the female club rugby team. Uh, some of the track team and just some uh, ba- some of the uh, women's basketball team, just some other 
athletes and students that were on campus. I think it ended up being like maybe 10 on 10 because we had they just female put in rugby, the, by the way, female rugby. We, you, we don't need to get so personal, EJ. We don't need to really know what you're into. <laughs> I'll keep it PG and I, I, I I'll, off the air, I'll tell you what I really want to tell you. But anyway, so now that that was probably one of the best memories, man. Um, the well, the best memory that I could share on air. <laughs> All right, that works. All right, Taylor, what about you, buddy? What's uh, what's the one memory that you have from your first summer being a member of the football team? I think the one thing I could think of uh, would be just any of the summer challenge events. It was always fun to see, like you know, we're always surrounded by football, football, football but just putting guys in different environments and, you know, you have some of the most athletic guys you've ever seen in your life. And then you put it like a baseball bat in their hand and it's like half of them can't even figure out how to use it. So just putting guys in those situations, whether it was um, seeing them on a basketball court um, on the softball fields, trying to do like a home run derby um, bowling, just any, any time when we were out of the football building was some of the most memorable times. I will say this. One thing I distinctly remember that somehow I avoided, but my teammates, some of my fellow uh, freshman offensive linemen didn't, was Kenny Price making us shoot the boot after practice in training camp with a beer that had been sitting in his locker for at least the whole summer, probably longer than that. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there was a rite of passage that, again, I I somehow avoided it. I don't know how. But there was a rite of passage amongst that that era of offensive linemen, which we're talking Chacos, Scott Lenahan, Kenny Price, those guys, where you'd come in after practice and the freshmen would have to chug a beer out of the cleat of one of the guys, one of the older offensive linemen, immediately after practice. And it wasn't a cleat that had been sitting in the locker all day long. It was a cleat that had been sitting on somebody's foot at practice in the summertime in North Carolina for two and a half hours. And you got to mix all that delicious, salty potassium and ionide goodness, sweaty goodness in with a nice, warm, fizzy, brown, heavy beer and chug it all out of that, out of that cleat in one fell swoop. Uh, I never had to do it, but watching it two or three times almost made me throw up. That sounds so hygienic. <laughs> Taylor did the wide receivers do anything? And you like can't that? haze the willing, by the way. You can't haze the willing. Yeah. No, no, the receivers. We were a lot more uh, civilized, I guess. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. EJ, what about the defensive line? Did y'all ever make anyone chug beer out of shoes? Seagly, Seagly, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. I mean, I'm kind of scared, no. but... No, uh, no, we, we we didn't have any of those weird traditions like that. The O-line... The O-line no, you guys were just generally like disgusting. <laughs> I was a very hygienic person, thank you. You, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but my cohorts weren't. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so in other words, you you knew which section was the the defensive line part of the locker room. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah. Usually, it usually smell like like Vienna sausages that have been left in the sun for a couple Ooh, days. Yeah. When it came when it came to when it came to hygiene, EJ was like a man without a country over there on the D line. <laughs> he was sort of out of place. He belonged with us. See, did y'all chugging, ever... chugging beers out of sweaty sweaty destroyer cleats? 
Did y'all ever feel bad for like the poor people that had to do y'all's laundry over the summer? Like, did you guys ever spare a thought for those poor souls? Who Yakel? Absolutely not. He's, no, <laughs> no, no, he's no, he 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 deserved it. He gets everything he 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 deserves everything he gets. And Yakel, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, we really do though. But he, he has so much power and he 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 kind of tiptoed the line between abusing it sometimes. He knew he had the power. Getting a pair of socks was like asking for the rarest pair of Jordans. Go ahead and explain who Yakel is for those that may not know. Mark Yakel was what yeah, so uh Damo was our was the head of the equipment staff. Uh Mark Yakel was uh I believe at the time the number two. It's Jason Freeman now runs the equipment staff, but J Bone was a, I think he was a three seed back then. I think he was a third man in the chain. Um, but yeah, Yakel was Yakel was the uh, he was the equipment czar. Um, he was the he was the control. He was the keeper of all things wristband that you weren't allowed to have. All gloves, all cleats, all shoes. If you if you needed a new pair of shoes, forget it. Um, Yakel was. Uh, Yakel was pretty pretty stingy with that stuff, but don't tell him that because he would just tell you about how stingy Florida State's managers were and how those guys at Florida State don't get anything, which didn't help the fact that I had rubber hanging off the bottom of my cross trainers. But uh, I guess I guess it was supposed to make me feel better. Yakel, we love you, man. We miss you. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this up with some very quick Twitter questions because we I did make a quick post there. Uh, talking about the podcast, we got three total responses, one of which kind of already heard from um, is from Ben Hux asked about what insight can Mike and EJ give about a player transitioning from the staff that recruited you to a new staff with a big name head coach that had been extremely successful back at another place. Uh, you guys both touched on this a little bit. Mike, you, you talked about it, you know, the recruiting aspect of it. EJ, what about you? What did you think about coming into that Butch Davis team, having been recruited by someone else? I honestly didn't. I didn't think too much of it. It was a clean slate for me. I honestly didn't have the best relationship with those coaches there. I didn't really trust them because I had a different defensive line coach every year. So it was just business as usual for me. Um so coming in with this new staff and with Coach Davis actually coming in and sitting down with us and told me that he was looking at me to be a leader, I kind of felt a little bit more comfortable simply because I had the plan. I, I had playing experience. I had film. Mike, on the other hand, he redshirted. Um, no, actually, you, you didn't redshirt that, that year, but he didn't have as much film as I had at the time. So I had a little bit more of a secure position. So. I didn't have it. There wasn't as many what ifs. I knew I was going to be competing for a starting position. And if not that, I would at least be a top backup. So I had a little bit more ease and it was more so me trying to make my put myself in the best position to be able to compete for that spot. So I guess that was kind of my viewpoint of it. All right. Next question comes from Rick Sugru. Hope I pronounced that that right, Rick. If I didn't, just let me know. And his question was, is there still optimism around the program and in the state? Talks about how recruiting, uh, the Heels have lost a couple of their most recent recruiting battles. But overall, how do you guys think the the program is in terms of fans being optimistic? Taylor, let's get your thoughts first since you are living out of state right now. Yeah, I think that would be news to me if people think that recruiting has kind of died off. I like they might've lost a couple of big targets to big schools, but you know, they're still have, they still have a top 15 recruiting class coming in. 
And from what I could tell, all the all the momentum is positive. All right, Mike, what about you? What do you think about the level of optimism right now? Has it dipped at all, do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know that it – no, I don't think it's a dip. I think fans would be wise to temper their optimism under any circumstances. I think recruiting for us has gone better than expected. Um, but there's one thing we knew Mac Brown knew how to do it was recruit and hire coaches that know how to recruit. And he's obviously done that. So, um, you know, yeah, like Taylor said, we may have lost a couple of recruiting battles recently, but on the whole, I mean, I'd, I'd say we've exceeded expectations on the recruiting trail so far, uh, especially given the product that's been on the field for the past couple of years. Um, you know, kids are more plugged in now to how these programs are performing. So, you know, give, operating with that understanding, I'd say we have certainly exceeded expectations in recruiting, but, you know, fans should temper their expectations no matter how high they are um, just because there's going to be a transition period and you can't expect 11 wins this year. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, if we're able to eke out a bowl game, I'd say that's pretty, that's pretty solid, but you know, any, any improvement over last year's record is, is, is positive gain and moving in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. EJ, what about you? Anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely excitement. Uh, I just, uh, I just got in from the uh, NCEDA conference down in Beaufort, and that was, and that's all anyone wanted to talk about. Even people who weren't uh, UNC alums, they're saying, "I'm excited to see what what Coach Brown's going to do this year." And of course, the NC State alum, we're, t- we're throwing a little jabs, but those jabs weren't as ferocious as they were this time last year. So I, I think they know, and they can kind of sense a change around the program too. So. I think there's just more and more excitement uh, as we start to hear more things come out of the program and we get closer and closer to that August 31st game. Um, I don't, I don't think it's died up. I actually think we're died off. I actually think we're picking up momentum. All right. Good to hear. Let's go ahead and finish this. Last question comes from Joby West. He asks, what do you guys think is the biggest game of the year and why? So we're just going to go down the list here. Taylor, start us off. Biggest game that you think the heels are going to have and a, just a real quick why? Uh, I think your biggest game is is your next game. I'll take that cliche and I'll say the South Carolina game. Carolina hasn't won an opening game since against a power five school since Mac Brown was here. You get a bunch of fans tuning in because it is Mac Brown's return. Um, you're coming off two seasons where you've won a combined five games and a lot of older players who just want to get that taste out of their mouth and go back to winning ways that some of these seniors had when they were on the 2015 team. And then you have a bunch of uh, young freshmen you want to see, you know, does Sam Howell play the first game? Who wins the quarterback competition? Can this team show that they're ready to take the next step and work towards being a contender in the ACC? So I'll I'll say South Carolina. All right, EJ, what about you? What do you think the biggest game is and why? Definitely the South Carolina game because this is the game that we really get to see who this team is. We get to see this team come out with, with really a blank canvas and really no film on – the system or anything they're going to do minus some of the stuff from this, uh, that the coaches had in their previous stops. But of course they're going to be some tweaks on it. So I think that this, the first game of the season is the most important game for any season. I don't care who you're playing. It could be a school uh, from some, some division two school. The first game of the season at this point is always going to be the most important game because that's going to be the game that's going to build momentum and confidence. And I think if they can go out and take care of South Carolina, the first game, I, I think that, we could see ourselves in a really good bowl game and I could see that game potentially propelling us to maybe seven wins. Like I have, 
I just have – I'm an optimist, of course, so I have high expectations for this team. So I think they go out there and they set the tone first game and they're going to have a really good season. All right, Mike, final word is yours, man. What's your answer to the question? It's yeah, it's a South Carolina game because we need to make up for you know what I think is arguably going down as the worst loss in Carolina football history, and that's the 2015 home opener to, or opening loss to South Carolina in Charlotte. Um, but f- the way I look at it is, you know, neutral field a win is great. Yeah, you want to start the season off on the right note, but I think a win against Miami on primetime TV in Keenan Stadium to kick off the home schedule. Um, the right way and to leave fans with a positive taste in their mouth moving forward. You know, that that's two nationally televised games back to back. Um, the eight o'clock game against Miami is going to be ours. That's our time slot. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on us. And I think that's a chance to kind of set the tone um, both for the team, but also nationally and to meet some expectations, right? We're put there because we're an interesting storyline. That's why we got that time slot. That's why we got that matchup. And it's at our place. So I think that's a that's an opportunity to really make a splash and to open some eyeballs and uh, and create some real positive momentum moving forward, both, you know, in that locker room, but also on the recruiting trail for setting up, you know, next year and the year after with those classes. You guys have made some very compelling arguments. My answer, though, still the NC State game until Carolina actually beats the Wolfpack. I will say that's the most important game every year. Hopefully it gets done this season. So that's my answer. But guys, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. Hope that y'all have a good rest of the evening and a good weekend. Hey, man. Thanks. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.